Welcome to Poverty Unpacked, the podcast series in which we discuss the hidden sides of poverty. In conversation with others, we explore how poverty affects the mind, relationships, emotions and society as a whole, and what can be done to change it. In this episode, we will be talking about the importance of working with communities to tackle child poverty. And in particular, we explore the role of interfaith initiatives and how working with and across faith-based organizations can help to create shared understandings and foster empathy. We are joined by representatives of three organizations from different parts around the world, all working to end child poverty. Fred Nayabira is director of Arigato International in Nairobi in Kenya. And Arigato is a non-profit organization that works at community level right up to the international level, all with the aim to end child poverty. Vijay Gopal is the head of the Youth and Leadership Program in Shanti Ashram in Coimbatore in India. Shanti Ashram is a Gandhian organization that has supported vulnerable children and their families since 1986. Finally, Seydoun Nisa Sayed is coordinator of the Global Network of Religions for Children. This is the grassroots network established by Arigatu International that includes many faith-based organizations around the world, including Shanti Ashram. Seydoun is based in Durban in South Africa. Together we discuss why community-based organizations are so well-placed to work on issues regarding poverty and child poverty in specific and what the role of interfaith cooperation is within that, and how children themselves should be placed front and centre to this work. I began by asking each of the colleagues why working with communities is so important, and Fred explains that there is enormous wealth of resources in the communities that can be built upon. I think maybe the first uh, reason why it's important, the importance of community-based work is just the fact that um, when you think about uh, child poverty is just in it's enormous and it needs all of us at different levels from the grassroots to the top level so it'll take all of us to end child poverty and also intervene on some of the vices that affect children so just the enormity and the fact that all of us are needed but when i think about um, uh, the poverty poverty itself poverty is magnified at the community level when we think about multi-dimensional poverty, we realize its experience and magnified at community level. And every number in the statistic given about child poverty represents an individual, it represents a community. And it's by looking at these individuals and communities that we make sense of global poverty and how to tackle it. And then I think another reason is um, the fact that faith actors are in every community, uh, whether they are religious leaders, religious actors, including institutions of worship and their congregants, faith-based and uh, faith-inspired institutions of academics, all this can be found in almost all levels of community in every society. And these are huge resources we can tap into the presence of these faith communities at the community level. The community work provides opportunities to empower children and a meaningful engagements of children, recognizing their agency in building a better life. And I believe that uh, this shortens path to eradicating poverty in the long term by starting with uh, children at a community level. So yes, I believe that this has to trickle down 
or the policies that are being made by the governments should answer to the community problems where we find the majority, the, the base is broad at community level when you think about extreme poverty. Vijay from Shanti Ashram also talks about the importance of community work in tackling all issues related to child poverty and refers to the Convention of the Rights of the Child, or CRC, to highlight how much work still needs to be done. Of course, we need to continue the community work because we have crossed 30 years of CRC, but till how so many children are violating in their rights in their community. I would like to share two examples. In India, till we have 47 percentage of child marriage is happening. 2.2 billion children around the world, 1 billion children are facing any form of violence in their community, whether it is a physical, emotional, sexual, or spiritual. So we need to focus the, uh, to work with the, uh, work for the children of, is an essential part. Till now we have the problems of caste-based, religion-based discrimination and violence against girls and women is also happening in India. So the community, we need to work together. Child poverty is the most dangerous problem in the community. So because every, everyone knows that child poverty will create irreversible damages in their life and also the whole world. So we must need to work together with the community. Seydun adds that working with communities is vital to provide a holistic response to children and makes specific reference to what interfaith collaboration can do. She refers to the GNRC a few times, the Global Network of Religions for Children. The very crux of the matter is we want to build communities. We want to add meaning to whatever they do. Being marginalized, being poor, is not letting them go to the border, the fringe of the communities and leaving them there. We look at how we can bring them into mainstream activities and see how they work. We, we look at all means of how we bring the community get together. But the other important thing is we've got community organizations that give us support. And so we look at it as a holistic program. It's just not for the children to come to the forums that we initiate, let them have fun, have nice time and go back. And they back to the, their communities where the challenges are absolutely great. Unemployment, poverty, the education system, poor health facilities, the infrastructure, people living uh, in inverted commas, one on top of the other. So there are many challenges, but we look at bringing partners because we as GNRC and the Durban Working Committee of GNRC can't address all these challenges. So it is vital that we engage with the communities. I'm most grateful to the interfaith volunteers that we work with who help in instilling these type of uh, values, uh, ethical values in whatever we do. Like uh, Fred mentioned, our programs are for children and youth. They are our focus. We look at how best we can address the challenges they face. And as GNRC, we provide the space and, and we get uh, religious leaders coming to address them. Sometimes, Many of the children have never met a Molana 
a Muslim clergy. They've never met a Pandit, a Hindu priest, etc. So in this way, at our programs, we bring in the different religious leaders and faith-based organization that come in and support our work. And, and this helps us in building the community, the change that we want to see for our children. All three, Fred, Vijay and Saidun, speak about the importance of collaboration to make change happen for children and particularly at community level. All three also spoke about the importance of faith and the role that religious leaders can play, not least because all three are from faith-based organizations. Saidun and Fred elaborate on the value added that faith-based collaboration can have within community-based work. We in South Africa have a very rich history of interfaith, interreligious working relationship. Due to apartheid, people of faith came together to address the challenges of apartheid. To add to this, when our president was inaugurated, we had an interfaith prayer at his inauguration, which speaks a volume in what South Africa uh, was and what South Africa begins to do. And on the same light with GNRC, our executive are made up of people of all faith from the Baha'i, the Buddhist, the Christian, the Hindu, the Jewish, the Muslim, and the African traditional religion. And before we begin any of our government-led or our NGO-led program, we begin with an interfaith prayer. And we also look at, uh, you know, um, a, a passage from each one of our faith, how it engages us to live, to work in harmony and, and work together. So we do a lot of interfaith program in our, in our program. And this gives the children an opportunity also to identify with the faith and not to be shy if you are from any faith. Uh, as long as we have the human rights-based education, we do our best to give this space for our children. Our work is anchored in communities. We, we recognize the vital role of faith and religious communities or faith or religious leaders in overcoming child poverty. Our initiatives are multi-faith in nature. They include community partners in over 50 countries. We also actively engage in theological reflection and multi-faith advocacy towards addressing the root causes of child poverty. Our work is built on positive faith values and also rights-based approach. This combination is a, a unique uh, value that we bring in. Uh, both positive values of religion and also right-based approach, and particularly children's rights, as is posed in the UN Convention on the Right of the Child, CRC, and the Sustainable Development Goals. Learning to live together is an interfaith and intercultural tool that we normally use, and it also provides spaces for children of different faiths and different cultures to come together respect one another, get to learn about uh, each other's culture, each other's faith, uh, but also demystifying some of the notions that might not necessarily be positive uh, and also acquire some of the positive from different cultures and different faiths. So there are some values like value of empathy, 
value of love, value of trust that are exposed in learning to live together process. But learning to live together is not just the knowledge and change of values. There's the change of values as the children interact. There's the, the knowledge that's being imparted to the children, their skills uh, of uh, learning to live together and working together. Uh, but there's also action that come out of it. So all these areas of value change, knowledge, skills must also lead to action. They come up with something that creates a better world for them and they come up with innovative solutions uh, where they can also be part of the answers to issues and the problems that affect them. Including children as actively contributing to finding solutions to the problems that they face and that their communities face is something that cuts across the work of all three organisations. And VGI provides an example of how that played out in practice in relation to Shanti Ashram. At Shanti Ashram, uh, through Balasandhi program, uh, Arun is one of the Balasandhi child. From the age of three to five, he was studied in uh, Balasandhi Kendra. Once he completed the uh, Balasandhi Kendra, he is joining in the government school. At the age of uh, 14, <laughs> He participated in the LTLT program, the Learning to Live Together program. He is very much impressed with the value of uh, empathy and responsibility. Suddenly, he came, he came and meet me, uh, Vijay Ma, he, he called Vijay Mama. Mama means uncle. Vijay Mama, how can I uh, help to other people? So he invited uh, some of his friend and visited to uh, neighborhood houses and he collected a, a, a bag of rices. So around 20, 22 kgs he collected and he came and meet me and how can I help with the rice to needy people. So I very much impressed with that boy and we started a food bank at Shanti Ashram. This is the origin point of food bank at Shanti Ashram. A really powerful story of how children can sow seeds that become programs like a food bank. And Fred reflects more generally on the wealth of resources available within communities and how dedicated volunteers can provide a lot of support to their community members. We believe in the volunteerism. That's one of the strengths of our faith-inspired organizations. If you talk to Vijay or you talk to Saidin, they'll tell you that most of the people they work with are young people that volunteer their time, but they make a change. So they contribute to the communities themselves and so we leverage on that, those community resources that um, sometimes cannot be quantified monetary, but um, still part of our great resources that we have. Seydun reflects further about how faith provides a basis for a common humanity that helps communities help each other to overcome shocks and problems, not least the COVID-19 pandemic. And she reflects on how interfaith work has been so vital in relation to apartheid and more recently in together overcoming the pandemic and the problem it's causing. Although we are two decades in our democracy, we still have challenges that confronts us on racism. The whole challenge on poverty is glaring at us and how do we as faith-based organization or or people committed to a particular faith as individuals begin to address this. Yes, South Africa has great has made great achievements in interfaith initiatives. Like for instance, um, a project in Durban, the Dennis Hurley Center, 
which does feeding for the marginalized and the street people daily, partnered with the neighbors, the Juma Masjid Mosque. And together, these organizations brought in the other faith communities, and they have a halal kitchen at the Dennis Hurley Center. It's a Christian Catholic-based organization. And some days, the meal uh, is also vegetarian, meaning that very often uh, poor people are given what we want to give them. We want to give them food that I and you eat, but we need to respect who they are, where they come from, uh, what dietary requirements they may have. And so, you know, in South Africa, this is like a blessing that many church, mosques, synagogues, and temples, when they do feeding, they do it for humanity and not for a particular uh, group of people. The same happened during COVID-19. When food was distributed, it was distributed to people who were in need and not to a particular uh, religious or community-based organization. That strength, it harmonizes the organized community that are working. There's a lot of respect in the work that's being done. Like for instance, um, our own program, if we have to feed our children in our monthly program, their food needs to be cooked on a Friday. They come from a faith, a tradition, similar to the Jews who don't eat cooked, hot cooked food on a Saturday. And our programs are on a Saturday. So if we want to provide them with that kind of meal, then uh, the food must be cooked the day before. So the children now know that we respect them. And uh, like, for instance, uh, they would respect my halal dietary diet. So we need to also consider and be respectful to whoever we work with. It's clear from this conversation that working with and within communities is vital to tackle poverty and improve children's lives. But there are also challenges working within communities, and Fred reflects on a few. Yes, uh, there are a number of challenges, but let me just pick up three. One is just the fact that realizing positive impact through community work is a long-term process. And this requires significant and also sustained investment of resources, uh, such as time, social and financial assets, organizational uh, capacities, and also building mutual trust. So it's not for the faint-hearted. And sometimes patience runs out, and that can be a challenge because of just the fact there's a long process. And then secondly, is just to, uh, you know, just to accept that ensuring uh, children are uh, at the center of community work towards overcoming child poverty is not always easy. And communities have to be careful about safeguarding children. At the same time, they should provide spaces for uh, children's participation. So that getting that balance sometimes is not very easy. Uh, also, not all communities uh, place importance on meaningful children's participation, even though this is uh, at the heart of our work or. Uh, is our core approach, as we said when we began, that we are all for children. And perhaps for now, lastly, is just um, the realization that for any uh, practitioner, 
at the grassroots community level, there's always the challenge of balancing the community members' social and political interests with the primary concern of addressing poverty. So just uh, the dynamics on the ground, sometimes uh, if you're not very familiar with the context, you might find yourself being drawn into uh, things, sideshows, if I may call them like that. In other words, not an easy task. People have to be in it for the long haul and children's participation needs to be meaningful instead of tokenistic. And that reflection brings us towards the end of the conversation. Sedun and Vijay offer us some parting words. Humbleness really gains respect. And so we are called in by communities to come in and address the challenges that we face. And so we look at our input holistically. Uh, We look at it from the basis of human rights and see how we can be active participants, citizens in whatever we are addressing at that moment. But what we also try to do on social media and other, uh, other places that we are, we always try to be very positive. Uh, yes, there are challenges, but if we can't head on address it, then leave it. Do not make uh, yourself feel challenged and marginalized because the second or third party don't want to listen to you. So this is my parting words. Let us be positive in all the negativities that we have around us globally and in our own communities and see how we, in our limited capacity, can be the voice for children, the voice for change, the voice for harmonizing communities where we work in. I would like to share two quotes of uh, the great personalities. Uh, I would like to start with uh, Dr. Aram's quote. Let us be part of the solution and not of the problem. And the second one, the great person Mahatma Gandhi said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked what you heard, please follow us on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're always on the lookout for new ideas. So if you have any suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out. We hope you'll join us again next time.